What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Student Built Startups Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Stone, entrepreneur and student at UMD. Today's guest will talk about five analytics and insights hacks for entrepreneurs. He has worked with Fortune 500 firms in analytics and insights for the past 10 years. He also has his own podcast called Digging for Insights, where he shares marketing and career advice for insights leaders. He will be sharing his story and how his education played a role in it. I'm excited to introduce you all to Stephen Griffiths. Hey, Stephen. Happy to have you on the Student Built Startups podcast. Thanks for being here. Great to be here, too. (laughs) Glad to hear that. Um, Well, I'll have you start off by sharing one crazy but true fact about yourself with the audience. Sure. So I lived outside the U.S. for 15 years in four countries. Wow, that is uh, that's interesting. That's you probably had a lot of cool experiences. It was really cool. Yeah, the highlight was um, so a lot of times I lived in places where there were other Americans, so with expats, and uh, a couple of those times so I did a two-year service mission in Ukraine and lived in Beijing for seven months as a student, and that was my favorite because it was immersed in the local language and culture and, and actually didn't speak a lot of English during those times. So that was especially fun. Yeah, I bet. I have some aspirations of my own to uh, go travel abroad a little bit and get some new experiences. I think it would be fun. Yeah, you learn a ton. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into our uh, first bit of content here. Um, so I'll have you start off by sharing a little bit with the audience about your education and what career experience you have in analytics. For sure. So a long story here. I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> in terms of education, so I did my undergrad in um, international relations at Brigham Young University and just had a great opportunity there. I'd say whenever you're doing education, just knowing what your goals are is really important. And so for me, my undergrad, I wanted to get a broad set of experiences and you know, um, international relations allowed me to do that, learning a foreign language, as well as Um, getting a little bit technical in terms of doing calculus for an economics courses that I was in. And so that was great. Um, Then transitioned into full-time work. I I graduated in the recession, which is a horrible time to try to get a job. Um, And so basically said, hey, I heard about this marketing research thing. It seems pretty cool. And so I printed out a uh, business card, Stephen Griffiths, market research analyst, even though I had virtually no experience <laughs> and pr- proceeded to um, sure of shop around my credentials and my business card and resume to everyone um, in the area where I was living at the time and, and ultimately ended up with a job with uh, Nielsen, which is a global marketing research firm. Um, so I had a great time there uh, consulting with companies, launching new products and doing forecasting and new product consulting for them, um, which is just a great experience and did that for about three years, started to get frustrated with I felt like I was giving you know good recommendations and often the recommendations weren't fulfilled. Um, and I was like, well, what's going on? Why, why don't they follow my recommendations, right? I want to I want to see what's actually happening inside these companies. And so I realized I wanted to go away from just sort of being a consultant to actually working in a company or client side research as it's called. And so I um, looked at some options and ended up getting into the University of Wisconsin-Madison. They have a marketing analytics and insights program as part of their MBA program. And so it's essentially a master's of marketing research um, combined with an MBA. And that was a a fabulous um, opportunity. So did that full time for two years. Um, 
And then finally interned at Procter & Gamble and then got a job at General Mills, where I work now. And I'm in the uh, Global Consumer Insights um, function. And essentially, um, you know, we do marketing research. There's analytics within our function as well. And so it's had a chance to do with several different roles, ranging from um, doing analytics with snack bars like Nature Valley and Lara Bar and Fiber One Bar, um, all the way to doing innovation, uh, very different types of work for convenience stores, where I helped launch the Pillsbury Stuffed Waffle at 7-Eleven, which is a, a really awesome experience. Mm-hmm. And then um, currently work on Cheerios and doing a, do, developing new products and innovation pipeline for um, that iconic uh, brand. Yeah, that's really cool. Sounds like you have a really broad range of experience in a lot of different industries. And uh, I really like uh, the uh, story of you uh, started that made the business cards and put marketing research analyst. I think that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, well, it was a little scary at the time, but I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on to a little different topic here. So you have a podcast called Digging for Insights. What inspired you to start that? Yeah. So last year, you know, I've, I've been an avid podcast listener and I wanted to listen to something that was, um, could help me on my job. And there's a lot of podcasts out there, but I wasn't finding anything that was specifically around the kind of work I was doing, which is around consumer insights and analytics. And so I thought, well, if there's nothing there, maybe I can start it. And I thought that'd be a good opportunity both to learn new things and talk to people that I could learn from, as well as to give back to other people. I mean, I feel like I've totally benefited from, you know, talking to people on the phone, informational interviews, just chatting with people in different industries. And that's helped me get to where I am today. And I thought this is one more way to pay it forward. Yeah, I I can agree with you on that, that speaking with other people on a podcast, you really soak in a lot of knowledge and being able to share that with others at just the press of a button, little little work in between, but it's really cool to be able to do that today. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, So do you use any insights and analytics tips to grow your podcast? Oh, for sure. And I'll actually get into this later in the podcast when I talk about sort of the five hacks that entrepreneurs can use. But definitely, you know, everything from better understanding who the listeners are um, with a listener advisory board is something that I use. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, um, as well as, you know, analytics. I'm pretty early on. I don't have a ton of analytics like a a small business would at this point. Um, But the more that you can just, you know, put numbers down in Excel and start to look at trends and patterns. I mean, small stuff like that can really make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So what is the most challenging thing for you about starting a podcast? And what is the most challenging thing about maintaining a podcast? Sure. So I would say starting a podcast compared to a lot of other businesses doesn't have as much, um, you know, startup cost or things like that. It's pretty easy, pretty easy to get started, as you probably know, Cameron. (laughs) Um, But on the other hand, there are still to do it well, I'd say it does require quite a bit of work, you know, everything from, you know, ideally, you should have a website, you should probably invest a little bit in podcast recording equipment, I should probably do a little research of how to edit those episodes, right, unless you want to pay someone else to Mm -hmm. do that right off. So I'd say there's a lot of startup um, costs more so than I anticipated. So think of dozens of hours of work just to get it going, which I didn't anticipate. Um, And then once it's going, as, as you're probably realizing as well, I'd say like, growing and ensuring that people know about the podcast, I'd say is probably the biggest challenge ongoing. And I've heard about this from a lot of different podcasters. But you know, you work hard to get good content, get good guests. And then even once you do that, a lot of people just don't know about you. And that's the classic marketing challenge, right? How do you get awareness and interest in you know the things that you have uh, available? Yeah, I really liked what you said there. Um, podcasting is a very easy thing to get into. But I feel like a lot of people who get into it underestimate the amount of time investment 
and that's required for uh, if you want to have it quality, you know. I completely agree with you. And I think, um, you know, thinking carefully about what your goals are and how it fits into other things is really important. I think a lot of people, I have some friends who, you know, started it off and did five or six episodes and are like, ah, this is not worth it. And so thinking a little before you actually kick it off, is it worth the investment? I think is something we all need to ask ourselves. Yeah, that's a very, very good point there. So we're going to switch over to talking a little bit about insights and analytics a little bit more in depth. So what is the most rewarding thing for you when you're working with data and analytics and finding insights? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone probably has this, even though they might not call it insights and analytics, but there's something really satisfying about having a challenging problem and at first thinking, holy cow, how am I going to solve this? (laughs) And, you know, putting together all the data, looking for trends and patterns, talking to people from different vantage points to understand what are some lead hypotheses that might be affecting the problem you're trying to solve and ultimately working through um, iterative learning to you know get a little bit of data get some hypothesis talk to some people and ultimately prove out that hypothesis to to get some answers at the end and so it's really fun going from this sort of scary place of holy cow how in the world am i going to solve this to this you know, a little bit of enlightenment, you could say of like, wow, I've I've got some ideas. And I think I knew how to move forward. And I think that's the beauty of using a little bit of analysis and a little bit of critical thinking. And I think we all do this to some degree, right? In whatever business or problem solving challenge we're in. But I'd say marketing research insights and analytics gives a little bit more of the framework and the rigor to help make sure that you're going about it the right way. Yeah, definitely. I I resonate with that being rewarding when you kind of find that little gold nugget. I like to think of uh, insights and analytics kind of like a treasure hunt. And when you find that uh, insight that may, might be able to help you move to the next next step or solve that problem, it's very, very rewarding. Yeah, totally agree. So what is uh, uh, the best way for someone that is interested in analytics and insights to learn about it? Sure. So, you know, I'm going to put a little plug selfishly, and that's exactly what I designed the podcast for, right, is trying to give greater awareness to the industry in general. Um, So you go to diggingforinsights.com or just search Digging for Insights in any podcast player, and you can listen to the episodes. And I've tried to get a broad swath of of people who are in the industry. So we've got, you know, um, leaders at Ipsos, um, at CEOs of marketing research firms, as well as as directors of insights at client-side companies like Nestle. And so you get a chance to hear about some of the issues and and what that industry looks like. And I'd say a a real quick thing, I actually put together a uh, a PDF on the six ways that marketing insights can lead to growth. And so it sort of gives an overview and each one of them has case examples, case studies um, about how insights and analytics can make a difference for a business. And so I think that's a really good way to start off with that and simply go to diggingforinsights.com and you can get your own free copy of that PDF. And that's a good way to, to start learning about the space. Yeah, that's that's really cool that you have that PDF. I think starting off with, you know, listening to a podcast and looking at some case studies and getting some uh, general tips is a uh, a good way to start off. So, how can using analytics and insights help a startup uh, grow their business? For sure. So, lots of ways to do it. Um, I think I can probably dive into some of the five ways that I'd you know think of. You know, I'd call them like five hacks into. Um, helping start a business using insights and analytics. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, we all try to solve problems. We're all doing a lot of these things already. But uh, in terms of people who are trained in marketing research, I'd say there's some frameworks and some tips that can be helpful. And I'd say there's sort of like five big um, hacks or ways that businesses can use insights and analytics to grow. 
the first take I'd say is along this line of customer advisory boards. Have you ever heard of that before? Like a cab customer advisory board? Um, you know, I've, I've heard of it. I'm not super familiar with it, but a little explanation would be helpful. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you can Google this and find more detail as well, but essentially every business needs an advisory board, right? I mean, that's standard tried and true practice. And the the flip here is saying, hey, what if we took our most valuable customers or who we think will be our core customers and put them on an advisory board and so they can give us feedback. And so this is very common um, when you're trying to do like innovation, you'll have a group of maybe eight to 12 sort of target consumers that maybe every week when you're coming back with new iterations of your product or service, you can run it by this advisory board to get thoughts and, and feedback. Um, it can be used for your company overall. So you could treat them like a, a board of advisors, right? Like a, for any public company would have and saying, hey, here's a strategic choice I'm trying to make. You know, what do you think about this? What's been your experiences? And so it's a good way to sort of get live feedback. Um, you know, obviously, like anything, it's qualitative feedback. So you want to pair that with lots of other things that you're thinking <laughs> about for making decisions. But it can be a really rich place to get insights for how to grow your business. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for explaining that a little bit. And I think involving customers and uh, giving you feedback on everything you're doing is a, a very important thing to do. I mean, I found it very helpful. So I've even started doing this for the podcast that I run for Digging for Insights. So I call it a listener advisory board. And so people who I, I think are going to listen to this podcast, and it's just been really helpful even so far. Um, so I had a friend who's a head of insights at a company who, you know, put together some thoughts of like, hey, this is what I like about your episodes. This is how you could change it, how you could be better. And, you know, I've done 10 episodes and there's a lot of stuff. I'm like, wow, I hadn't thought of that before and I'll have to do that. And so just little small things um, that you can find and learn about and it can be really valuable later on. Yeah, I could totally see how that would be beneficial. I might have to steal your idea there too. <laughs> <laughs> steal with pride, right? Or, yep. <laughs> you know, use the good ideas out there. Right? Uh-huh. Well, cool. So that's that's sort of the first one you know, hack I'd say is like get a customer or consumer advisory board for your business. Um, the second tip that I'd suggest is, you know, using data as much as you can to make your decisions. And the big take I'd say is using benchmarks. So, you know, I think this goes without saying, but if you're running a small business, it's easy to focus on you know, just getting the business going and not keeping records so much. And I would really recommend folks just keeping a record of what you're doing, you know, whether it's your sales or if you're running a podcast, the download numbers, what are the metrics that you care about most? And then you know, can be simple as an Excel, you drop in all the other metrics that you think are important. So it was interesting, I was talking to, um, uh, to someone who basically did their own sort of marketing analysis uh, for their business. And they literally had an Excel. And on one side, they had like every channel that they were selling their products in. And then they had sales by week in each of those channels. And then next to it, they put, you know, what kind of promotions they did in stores or you know, what kind of online promotions or advertising they might have done. And they map that by week. And so they, you know, it's super rudimentary. This isn't advanced analytics mm -hmm. here, but you're able to see, wow, you know, my sales doubled that week and I didn't do any advertising. I didn't do anything on Facebook, but I did do a promotion in store. Wow. That seems like it's making a big difference. Right. Yeah. And then maybe a couple of weeks later, you're looking at it and wow, you did a, a big promotion on your podcast and something else, but nothing happened in store. You're like, Hmm, <laughs> starting to notice that some stuff's driving my business and others is not. And you can obviously take that to a more advanced degree and 
and run analytics once you have more data. But early on, just putting stuff in Excel and week by week and seeing what makes a difference and what doesn't, like that's a super easy way to just keep track of what's going on with your business. Yeah, absolutely. That's And that's something that I've learned from my experiences in the past as well. I can uh, attest. <laughs> At first, it seems like a lot of extra work, but boy, it pays off later on. And I'd say the other piece is like, the reason why it's so important to keep those records is it's so critical to have benchmarks. So um, I used to work at a company that did sales forecasting. And uh, this is no secret, but the, the secret sauce for that company was they had internal benchmarks for lots of new products. And so, you know, if you get a survey back from a consumer and like, I'm making up numbers here, but 72% of consumers say they're going to buy your product. Like, what does that mean? absolutely nothing about <laughs> itself, right? Like there's no way that 72 of the people are actually going to buy your product. It's all just claimed, but people, um, overstate their interest in products pretty consistently over time. And so if you have a benchmark of saying, Oh, but wait a minute, I launched one product that did horribly. Um, and that had a 60% people who said they were going to buy it. And I had another product that did great. And that had a 71% of people that bought it. Wow. Those benchmarks of things I've actually launched um, and then able to go back and look at what that claimed purchase intent was between those two products, that can give me confidence. Wow, my 72% doesn't mean anything by itself. But if I compare it to something that got 71% and did really well, that gives me confidence. Hey, maybe this can do pretty well too, right? And so if you don't keep track of what's actually happening with your products and past numbers and history and benchmarks, then it's really hard to interpret the numbers that you get. And that's just a really easy way to use a little bit of analytics uh, smarter as you're growing your business. Yeah, you did a fantastic job on explaining benchmarks. It was something that was a little, little fuzzy in my head and kind of what the benefit is. But yeah, that, it makes complete sense. Well, we're about halfway through the episode now. So we're going to take a moment for a brief advertisement. Hey there. You're listening to the Student Built Startups podcast, so I'm assuming that you like listening to things that provide great value. Well, I'm going to fill you in on a little secret that I've heard of recently on how you can get some more free audio content that'll bring great value. Audible.com is a huge library of awesome audiobooks. And the best part is that your first month is free and you get to keep the first book that you order 100% free. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. You can get your free one-month trial and free book at audibletrack.com slash sbspod. That is audibletrack.com slash sbspod. The link is in the show notes. Now it's time to get back to the episode. Yeah. I mean, the one other thing I'd, I'd add on to that is just this idea of like, so that's rudimentary, get stuff in Excel and just like, are you seeing any differences? I'd say once you get to the next level, you could try something called linear regression. Um, and it sounds really scary at first, but basically <laughs> it's an analytic method. It's already built into Excel actually. So you don't even have to learn a new software program, but basically you could take your line of like say weekly sales, and then you put different columns of all the other stuff you're trying to measure. So Facebook ads and in-store promotions and podcast episode launches and whatever else you have in your marketing mix to try to help the sales of your product. And you basically just highlight it all in Excel and then run something called a regression and basically just uses a little bit more rigorous analytics to say which of those variables, your Facebook advertising, your promotions um, actually drives more of your sales. And so that can be a really easy way to do it. If you're interested in learning more, Coursera, um, you know, the online learning platform is really good. You can get for free. Uh, they even have a specific course called how to do regression in Excel. So it literally just steps you <laughs> 
step-by-step walk you like what to select and how to select it and where to do it. Um, so if that's, you know, later on when you want a little bit more advanced analytics, um, that's a super easy, scrappy way to do it. That's for free. Yeah. It's linear regression. It, it sounds kind of scary and kind of crazy, but in reality, it's, it's not that like outrageous for somebody that's uh, intermediate or beginner analytics, even just learning a little bit, you know, maybe putting in a half hour learning how to do it. It's something that can be picked up on pretty quickly. Yeah. And once you get that down, um, the, the principles behind linear regression is applied to a ton of other analysis. And so even just understanding conceptually what's going on there can really unlock the doors for lots of stuff later on. Yeah. So let's move on to your third analytics hack. Sure. Yes. So um, number three, it's around this idea of white space maps. Um, so, you know, this is classic marketing 101, right? Where you have the situation, um, you know, you're looking at your competitive landscape. Um, so let's imagine uh, your podcast, right? Student built mm-hmm. startups. Um, there's probably a lot of other podcasts out there. I haven't <laughs> researched the field. There's probably those that, you know, help students, probably those that are for startups, probably those that are for entrepreneurs. And so you'd want to map that on a map, right? Of like, and I don't know what the dimensions would be, but maybe something along the lines of which ones are really focused on students and which mm-hmm. ones are really focused on entrepreneurship. And then you'd map it out of like, hey, where where does my um, student build uh, startups um, go? And how does that compare to everything else on that white space map? So even if you don't do research, um, just trying to figure out how do you differentiate from your competitors is really big. And I'd say the other way to you, and so just mapping it out based on what you know is one way to do it, talking to people. Um, Obviously, if you get more advanced, there's like lots of rigorous methods that will make a white space map for you. Um, That's what sort of um, a lot of advanced analytics can help you with that. And so big companies will pay um, a supplier or an agency to create those for them. Um, But I'd say the other space that people don't think about, so that's sort of a product white space map. The other way you can think about it is marketing white space maps. And so this is like super fascinating. I was, I was talking to someone the other day and it was basically this person was coming into a market um, and they actually mapped out what are where is everyone else spending their marketing dollars and where are people not spending their marketing dollars where our core audience still is. And so they found those areas where the um, audience was still there, but no one was really marketing during those moments or on those channels. Um, And so then they went and marketed there and were able to get a lot of awareness really fast because they weren't trying to compete with the other three or four competitors that were all, you know, I forget what the details were, but like they were all on, uh, let's say they were all on TV. And so they said, hey, maybe we're going to dominate Instagram or we're going to be on Facebook where our competitors aren't. And that's going to help us get um, some greater share of voice and get some awareness faster than we would otherwise. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I haven't heard of the concept of a white a white space map or marketing map uh, yet. I kind of would have expected to hear about that in school, but I really like the idea of mapping out kind of your competitive arena and what other um, I guess competitors or similar um, businesses or podcasts that are similar to yours so that you can kind of figure out where your target market is and where you fall within that. Um, I think that's a really great way to give yourself an advantage to differentiate yourself. Yeah, for sure. I'd say it's a, a very common marketing tactic. You can Google white space maps and see lots of examples that are out there if you're interested. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just really helpful to get outside of yourself and think, hey, what 
you know, because ultimately when people are coming to buy a product or a service, they've got a lot of different options. And until you truly understand their vantage point for where they want to go and what the pros and cons are, it's really hard for you as a small business to know what steps to take. Yeah, that's honestly like this, that kind of blew my mind. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think that's the value of, you know, uh, consumer insights, right? Or customer analytics is like, you're trying to understand the viewpoint of the decision maker and how to influence them. And ultimately you want to give them the best information that they can. And that's why, you know, consumer insights is used by a lot of different industries, right? Um, within uh, CPG or consumer goods, stuff you buy at a grocery store, um, that uh, is called consumer insights, which is what I'm in right now. But there's a lot of very closely related fields in tech. User experience is really big. So how do I make my app or my website from a consumer perspective more user friendly? Um, customer experience is really big. So you think of healthcare and retail and all these other areas, banking, even where you're mapping the customer when they first get to know your um your product or service and mapping their journey all throughout. Like what other services did they get? Did they leave? Did they come back? Um, so that whole journey, you can map it out. So that's customer experience, which is very similar. Um, and then obviously there's analytics where it's using that numbers to better understand what your business should do and better understand the needs and wants of the customers you're trying to serve. So all this is sort of one big bucket of like, how do we better understand our core customer or consumer? And then everything else flows from that. Yeah. I, th- I, definitely agree that um, my perspective is you're especially a small business it just kind of is built upon understanding your consumer because if you don't understand your your consumer um, you won't be able to reach them so doing that is a very important thing to do I think totally agree Um, so let's move on to number four Sure. So um, experimentation mindset. So I'd say, you know, a lot of businesses have changed a lot with the lean startup. So I mean, it's super fascinating book. I don't know if you've read it already. But essentially, it's this idea, super fascinating story of someone who's a tech entrepreneur, and he spent so long creating these, I think it was avatars, but anyway, these little digital um, people and animated things that were supposed to be really cool. I mean, months and months of programming to create these things mm-hmm. only to find out that no one cared about them. <laughs> and <that laughs> his, his entire work for months and months was completely wasted because he thought people wanted these avatars when really there was no viable business there. And, and so basically uh, learned that you need to do iterative learning. So he comes into this idea of um, an MVP, so a minimum viable proposition, where essentially, hey, what is the very least amount of work I can do to still get learning? So for instance, in that case of, of an avatar um, that you thought you know companies would want, and I think it was going to be used in like IMs, you know, instant messaging, that people would get their own avatar that they could like make look really cool or things like that. Um, you should have just like done something simple. So maybe a single screenshot of what an avatar might look like and create, you know, maybe four or five of them and then literally give a customer, um, say, Hey, you can do this instant message platforming and, and here's your avatar. So I mean, literally spend like a couple hours, make a couple pictures and get some feedback from consumers rather than spend months and months and months and months and then get some testing and find out, holy cow, this, uh, there's nothing here, right? Um, and so that's this whole idea of like, how do I do just enough to get some learning and then decide what to do? And then the big thing is, you know, do I pivot? Do I do something differently? Do I persevere? Uh, do I keep doing exactly what I'm doing? Or do I perish? Is this an idea that just like 
should be dead in the water and let's get rid of it fast. <laughs> and the, the more quickly that you can do those iterations of, you know, they would say like every couple of days, you do a quick experiment, you decide, should I keep going? Should I change? Should I kill it? And you just keep iterating until you get to a better idea. And that's a much more sustainable way to, to build a new business. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that is something that I definitely um, agree with being able to pivot essentially. Cause if you, if you put in, you know, a little bit of uh, effort, like you said, just enough to be able to do some learning, you can get feedback and pivot based on that feedback. But if you don't, uh, if you put in hundreds of hours into something and getting something completely finished and then go look for feedback, if your feedback's negative, it's going to be a lot more difficult to pivot. And uh, you made a really good point there. And I think there's something that's really powerful about that iterative mindset. And it's this idea that allows you to uh, make pivots really quickly. And mm -hmm. so as you think about, you know, a small business, so say, you know, I'm starting a t-shirt sales business, right? I'm trying to sell these really cool t-shirts with cool logos on them. And rather than like, you know, print out uh, a bunch of them and see which ones work, right? Could you just get an MVP? Could you, you know, put it on flashcards and share them out to friends? Or could you just take a quick screenshot and then share it by email with a hundred of your friends and see which of the designs are of more interest, right? So there's mm -hmm. lots of like real small scrappy ways. And then maybe if you're going to expand to a different business, how do you, um, so there's even ideas of this whole idea of, uh, of setting up just something to get learning that isn't even real. So for instance, if you're trying to do an analytics firm and uh, you're going to do an automated online tool about this advanced analytics and you got to build this whole platform, right? Instead, you literally make a one page on your website and you have people come in and say, oh, I want this thing. And then rather than having a whole algorithm do it for you, which is what you ultimately want, maybe the email just goes to you and you paper and pencil do the analysis <laughs> and then just email back a response, right? And then say like, are they even willing to pay for that? Is that even valuable? And like, can you get learning from that? And then if they are, if there is something there, okay, now you can go build an, a wicked online, you know, online platform that's going to cost a lot of money, but it just helps you like get learning along the way. And I, I, even for a podcast, right? If you're like, which guests should I have? Which topics should I cover? You know, rather than like go into a whole mini series for like eight episodes on a specific topic that might not be as interesting to your audience, just do one episode, see how it does mm -hmm. and then go from there. Yeah. The one big thing that's kind of hitting me right now is just the idea of eliminating risk. I feel that this this idea helps you eliminate risk, especially in starting up a business or coming up with new products and ideas. Yeah, that's exactly right. De-risking is a, a huge part of that experimentation mindset um, that I think is really powerful. Yeah. Let's move on to your fifth hack. So I'd say this is the EDC framework. And it stands for exploratory, descriptive, and causal. And so if you look to, at outset, it's super basic, right? You go to any marketing research textbook, and you'll find the three main types of research methods, and that's exploratory research, descriptive research, and causal research. But when you think of it more deeply, the implications for what that means how to run a small business are really quite profound. And so let me just quickly explain the term so everyone understands. Yeah. So exploratory um, research, that's essentially where you're trying to understand in really easy, quick ways um, what's out there already. So let's let's choose a business problem. Um, I don't know if there's a problem that you're dealing with one of your past businesses or with your podcast that you're trying to solve. Anything come to mind? Um, well, I'd say that one of my businesses that my stepdad and I are working on, Shogun Athletics, right now we're struggling a little bit with client retention, um, long-term long client retention, so pe like past six months. 
Gotcha. That makes sense. So good news. Client retention is not a new phenomenon, right? Like, <laughs> lots of people have researched this topic and trying to figure out what's there. And so for exploratory research, you could Google, you know, client retention. You mm-hmm. could, um, you know, maybe you've got a couple friends who, or other folks who've done um, run gyms or things like that, or athletic programs, and you could talk to them, Hey, how have you retained your clients? So this is a super easy way. You're not investing a lot of time and energy. You're just getting a sense for what are the different things out there? And my guess is you would talk to some friends, do some Googling, um, you know, just research it a little bit. And you'd probably come back with like, Hey, here's the five or eight things that people do to retain their, their clients. Um, and what, what's going to help the most. So that would be exploratory. You're trying to develop hypotheses for what could possibly help solve your business problem. Then you go into descriptive, which as you can imagine, you're trying to describe those different hypotheses. So maybe you came out with eight different ways to help improve client retention and you find a way to quantify that. So, um, you know, potentially you could run a survey of like, Hey, here's eight things we could do. Which ones are you more interested yeah. in um, for us doing? Or maybe you get a focus group and Hey, like, what about this? Typically descriptive research tries to be quantitative. So you want to ideally get enough people that you have an idea of what you're doing. Um, and so like sending a, you know, hundred best friends or on Facebook, if you can get, you know, 50 people to reply, like that's at least a little bit better. Um, really good research would say you'd want to like get a representative sample of the entire uh, population you're trying to sample. Um, that might be hard without spending money for you. Um, <laughs> but anything I can say, Hey, of these eight ideas, maybe I'm hearing a lot back that these three people are really interested in and the other five, not so much. So that sort of helps you narrow down. So that's the second step is descriptive research. And the last bit is causal research. And this is basically running experiments. If I implement one of these things we've talked about, will it make a difference? And so maybe you have, you know, choose three of your clients and say, you know, hey, we're offering this new service. I have no idea what that is for client retention, right? Yeah. I don't know, like a a loyalty card where your partner was Subway. I I have no idea, right? (laughs) Um, But like, hey, you're going to get this Subway card. And every time you come here, we're going to give you a check and, you know, every month that you're with us, you're going to get a free sub. Dumb idea, but hey, it's something that could be a possibility, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so that would be, and then you try it, right? And so you've got your group of clients that that have that way of um, helping retention, you hope, and you have their clients, their control group, they're same as normal, right? And then you compare after a couple of weeks, after a couple of months, what makes the most difference, and then that will help you learn. So do you see how like, it's super important to start early on, super wide with exploratory research, get all the hypotheses you can, narrow it down with descriptive research, usually quantitatively figuring out which one of those hypotheses matter, and then going into causal research of let's do some experiments and try some of this to see if anything it actually helps solve our problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's some really good information, some good insights that you brought there. And I really like the causal research. It kind of reminds me of when a company or business is kind of pushing out like an update or a new software program. They don't release it to everybody, but they slowly do it so that they can get feedback and kind of make sure everything is working like it should. So that's kind of a connection that I made there. Yeah, no, I I think that's a good point. I think companies use this all the time. And I'd say typically for entrepreneurs, I think sometimes we're more apt to like, oh, I got to do something. I'm going to do this. Everyone jumps to like running an experiment rather than starting, hey, just think a little bit broader. Let's talk to some other gyms. Let's do just a few Google searches. Let's think about this for a little bit to come up with a broader set of possible solutions or hypotheses and then narrow down from there. And I think that kind of thinking can allow you to accelerate the kind of growth you can have. Yeah, I could totally see how that would help. I think a lot of entrepreneurs 
kind of have this uh, go get it, go go getter kind of attitude, and they just want to, you know, jump jump on their ideas, and they don't like to take as much time to think about things as they should. So that's probably a very good way for them to uh, kind of help improve their entrepreneurial game, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that can make a big difference. Yeah. Um, so we just got a couple more questions before the fast five. Um, or what would you say are the most important parts of a business to gather insights from? Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> okay. probably everything, right? Okay. It was the short answer. Yeah. I'd say, you know, you do have limited time and resources. So you probably want to find the parts of the business that you think can make the biggest difference, right? Um, are you are you having an investor come in, invest in your business, and they're willing to you know, give you some money? Well, then maybe, okay, which of the marketing levers are going to be most important? How would I spend that money, right? If you're early on um, and you're just trying to get awareness, maybe you thought, okay, what are the things that I can help get awareness? Or maybe you're halfway, you know, you're pretty well into your business and like you're just not as profitable as other companies. So maybe you need to look internally and say, what are my processes are slowing me down and costing me money and how do I solve those? So I think it really depends what your key question is in terms of figuring out what you want to track. I would say in general, though, the more you can just keep records, even if you don't analyze it, just put the stuff that you have into Excel or somewhere to keep track of it so that when you do want to look at your budget or your profit or your operations or your awareness, you at least have numbers to pull from to do some sort of analysis. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree with that. Even if you're not going to, even if you feel like you're not going to use it, keeping track of it is a, a very safe bet to play. <laughs> Totally. So we're going to move on to the fast five section. I'm going to ask you five questions. We'll go through them at a fairly quick pace. So first question is, what is the most valuable class or course that you have taken? Sure. So um, mine was probably qualitative research with Craig Thompson. So it was a class I took during my MBA program. And I think it was just super helpful for me to realize that qualitative research is so broad and interesting. And whether it's a focus group or in-store ethnography or observation um, or implicit messaging tests, like there's this broad range of super interesting ways to get insights um, from people and from situations. And uh, that really opened up my mind. Awesome. Um, what is one book that you would recommend? So there's a, you know, we talked about Lean Startup. There's sort of a follow-up book that um, has come out called New to Big. And uh, it's from a company called Bionic and super interesting. I actually interviewed the co-author of the book in episode two of uh, on my podcast. But essentially, it's this whole idea of how do we install a nimble startup like group within a big company and it goes very uh detailed in terms of what that team should look like what kind of work they would do how to structure it um, it's really a fascinating read if you think about how do i become a little more innovative and it's with very few resources yeah that sounds very interesting i'll probably have to check that out that's a really cool idea that somebody had there <laughs> yeah it's a, and it, they have made a big business of it right yeah. so they consult with big companies creating little startups within companies and have had a lot of success. All right. Well, question number three, what is one business tool that you would recommend? Yeah. Um, I mean, Excel is probably, yeah. I'm sure you've heard it over and over again, oh, but yeah. the functionality there is incredible. And once you even unlock the fact you can do regression and correlations and a lot of these little bit more advanced analytics things all within Excel, and it's all Googleable online if you want to learn <laughs> how to do it, um, it's just incredible. And it's it's free. Every computer has it You know, virtually. Um, I think that leads to a lot of functionality that I don't know that everyone fully appreciates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so how do you keep on track and plan ahead? 
Yeah. So I'd say there's two main ways that I do it. So I set weekly goals. Um, so different parts of my life. So Stephen Covey talks about this, but this whole idea of, hey, as you know, I'm a father, so I've got a couple goals about how to be a better father, how to be a better husband, how to be better at my job, um, part one, a podcast. And so like each part of my life sort of has a couple things I want to get done that week. Um, that's not new, right? I actually re- record it onto my phone. And so it's like a two minute recording of my goals. And so that way I'm like, out and about or driving home or from uh, wherever, I just have two minutes to sort of remind myself, hey, what am I trying to do this week? And how am I focused on that? And so that helps give me some guidance. And I'd say the other piece, super simple, but makes a big difference is simply planning out every half hour, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so you've been in days where like everything is planned out and it's super efficient, right? I got to go to this class, then I got to do a podcast recording, then I got a, a lunch appointment and, you know, the rest of it. And I think sometimes when we're alone and we have a few more hours of free time, we think we get lazy and we maybe spend too much doing one thing and not enough of another. And if we just have a little bit of rigor to like really take that time seriously and say, Hey, I've got a three hour block of time. How am I going to use that time? And usually breaking it out every half hour, this is what I'm going to do in each one of those half hours can really make a, a huge difference in terms of productivity during the day. Yeah, that's a, a really good tip there. Um, I think going through your day with intention for the whole day is a very, very uh, important thing to do. Um, So last question here, what is your favorite thing about having a podcast? Yeah, so I'd, I'm going to cheat and say two different things that I really okay. enjoy about the podcast. But um, one, I think, is the opportunity to connect with new people. It's really been fun to talk to people who I normally wouldn't get to connect with and hear a different perspective. So that's been really fun. And I'd say the other piece is the ability to give back. You know, I I do a lot of mentoring. I serve on a um, the University of Minnesota Duluth's um, advisory board um, for one of their undergraduate programs that you're probably familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, and that's been super fun. And so like, I get questions all the time. What should I do career-wise? How should I help with my resume? How should I figure out in terms of if this career path is right for me? And it's really fun to be able to put together podcast episodes that can make a difference. And that, heck, when I was in your shoes, I would have loved to have a podcast that, you know, <laughs> tells me some details and gives me some real studies. Cause back in the old days, like you had to like use your personal network and try to find someone who did what you wanted to do. And that can be very challenging, especially early on. Yeah. That, I really, I really agree with that. And I think having a podcast kind of gives you a reason to be able to connect with other people that you otherwise wouldn't normally be able to connect with. Well, Stephen, you gave some great insights about analytics and insights. <laughs> um, but before we wrap up, I'd like you to give one main takeaway that you'd like the audience to remember. Sure. I, I'd say whenever you're running your business, do the best you can to uh, keep track of the numbers of what you're doing and really think about everything from the vantage point of your key customer. So what are they thinking? What is their life situation like? What problems are they trying to solve? What other options are out there? Am I keeping your customer or your consumer focused? Um, You're able to make decisions that will ultimately help them and grow your bottom line. Awesome main takeaway. Um, And I know you mentioned your podcast already, but if you want to share that one more time where we can find that. Sure. So diggingforinsights.com, D-I-G-G-I-N-G, just like the verb, for insights, F-O-R-I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S.com. And you can search for Digging for Insights on any podcast platform or just tell Alexa to listen to the Digging for Insights podcast and she can play it for you as well. All right. Awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of the things that you said. So thank you. Oh, for sure. Glad to be here. 
I'm really glad that I got to share Stephen's story with you guys. Thanks again for being on the show, Stephen. And thanks to everyone listening right now. I truly appreciate your support on this journey. I highly encourage you to head over to studentbuiltstartups.com to go check out the awesome show notes with all the links for everything mentioned in the podcast. Make sure to share this episode with your friends and hit that subscribe button for more entrepreneurial stories and advice. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the next episode.